Hi everyone, it's Amelia Quint. You're listening to Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. As ever, this podcast is made possible by our patrons. The community of mystics is growing all the time, so come join us. For $15 or less each month, you get instant access to the archive of exclusive forecasts, horoscopes, terascopes, and bonus episodes. Plus, you have the chance to submit a question about your personal needle chart for each month's Q&A video. If all that sounds like your cup of tea, head over to patreon.com badastro and stay for a spell. Another lovely way to show your support is to leave a positive review on iTunes. I know people go on and on about this, but it truly is like magic for the algorithm. It means that other kindred spirits like you will find this podcast and hopefully fall in love with it too. So go ahead, work your magic, and be sure to follow along on Instagram and Twitter at Bad Astrologers to stay up to date on the latest releases and benefits so you never miss out on the good stuff. Now, on to the episode. Today's guest is someone who is more than just a guest. She is a dear friend and our first second time appearance here on Bad Astrologers, and I couldn't be more honored and delighted to have her here for the fall equinox, for those of you in the Northern Hemisphere, and for the release of her third book, all before her Saturn return, Embody Your Magic, out through Tarcher Perigee. That is the lovely Gabriella Herstick, a witch, a completely wise person beyond her years and someone who inspires me so much. Her aesthetic is beyond compare, as is her heart. She, as you'll hear in this podcast, is an incredibly intimate and open person. And I was actually a little nervous about um, releasing this episode because we go to places and we speak to each other in a way that is so comfortable and just vulnerable in ways that um, a typical, like very curated Bad Astrologers episode is not. But I'm sharing it with you, not only just to honor Gabriella on this exciting event of her book launch, but also so that you can see what magical partnership and that true soulship, as we've been calling it, sounds like, what it looks like to be two people with creative passion and struggles and hardships coming together during these very uncertain times across coasts and across lifetimes. I hope you love it and I hope it inspires you. So sit back, relax, take a deep breath and enjoy the show. Hi, Gabriella. Thank you so much for joining me on Bad Astrologers today again. Yay! Oh my God. Thank you for having me. I, I'm such a stan of this show, of this pod. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm a stan of you, so I feel like this is going to oh. be a good podcast for sure. Absolutely. It's really special because when this airs, it's going to be the equinox, the autumn equinox if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. And it's going to be the day after your third book release, which is incredible. I cannot wait to talk about it. Thank you. I'm so excited. Yeah, it definitely feels surreal. I'm like, I technically count it as like my second and a half books. I'm like, it's not a full book, but it's still like, it's, it's special. I'm really excited. 
It's it's packed with wisdom. I've I've looked and I feel like there is really impressive so many different magical techniques all it's like subtly between the lines it's just so so nicely done and it's so pretty so thank you thank you so much before we dive into your book i wanted to talk to you a little bit about i remember the last time you were on the podcast i vividly remember it because <laughs> i believe it was in late march we recorded it and it was right when the quarantine was just kicking off. And mm -hmm. I, I was preparing for this podcast and I was, I just found it staggering the difference in, it feels like we're living in a different universe than we were back then, you know? Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like March felt like 10 years, honestly. And the past five months after that have felt like two weeks. So. It's Who knows what's time happening. is just a construct. Nothing is real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I definitely had no fucking idea at the time how much our lives would change and how much our world would change for worse yeah. or for the better in some cases. So, uh, but what I'm wondering is I so admire your magical practice and you are one of the most um, consistent people with it that I've ever known. So, I'm curious, yeah. how has your magical practice shifted in quarantine, if at all? Oh, that's a good idea. Um, so it has, there's like a lot of things that I just have continued to do. I would say like a majority of my magical practice, my daily magical practice has pretty much stayed the same. Um, one of the things that has changed is that I have started finally after nearly it was at this point like a year and a half of daily meditation, but I finally invested in a meditation cushion. I bought some oh. tuning forks and a big chunk of rose quartz. And um, using these tools has just, I mean, I'm a Libra rising. So for me, beauty is a gateway to uh, esoteric experiences and to the divine and having like my bright, magenta cushion that I sit on and these beautiful tuning forks and this rose quartz it just it helps me make even like the seated portion of my morning practice into it's an even more powerful ritual and um I yeah I think that's a part of it and then I also have started to incorporate oracle cards into my morning practice into my seated meditation practice so when I sit down, I'll do half, I'll do about eight minutes of Reiki and then 10 to 12 minutes of breath work and meditation. Um, sometimes I'll do mantras using mala beads. Sometimes I'll just, you know, ask a question, whatever goddess needs me to know. That kind of part of it's very malleable, but pulling an oracle card each morning in my meditation, separate from like the tarot practice I do after that, which is, you know, shuffling my deck, pulling a few cards for the day. Um, it feels really different because they think that Oracle cards have, they're in a way, I feel like more open-ended, I guess. I guess it's depending on the deck, but that's been really fun. Um, but like beyond that, I still am doing a lot of the same things that I was doing. So I still do um, the lesser banish, the lesser banishing ritual. I still pull tarot cards and I journal. Uh, I do affirmations and then I do gratitude. Um, something I also started doing was I started leaving a 
little vintage teacup from Ivory, one of our friends, um, that she bought for me. I put fresh water in that every day for my ancestors, and that's been a really beautiful practice. That was something that Paige from Fat Feminist Witch inspired me to do, who's also really awesome. Um, But, like, my actual magical practice beyond that, I feel like, has changed a lot. Um, As you know, Mm -hmm. like, we've been going to the... Uh, morning lodge or the AM lodge with 22 teachings on Saturday. And that is something that I've been doing almost every week. I think I've only missed one week and taking a lot more classes. So I think that my practice has become a lot more rooted in Western esotericism, like Western occultism through the lens of Hermetic Kabbalah. And um, beyond that, just like my own practice and devotional practice to my goddesses that I'm pledged to has like, just expanded and deepened in a lot of ways that I didn't expect. Um, I definitely like, I think that I was in the works of like talking about this journal when we first talked, but I definitely Mm. didn't know that I was going to be writing my goddess book, but like I was already kind of on this, like um, this path with the goddess where it was like, all I was reading about and really excited to learn about. And then I ended up, yeah, signing that book deal. So um, it's changed in a lot of ways and, has it in a lot of ways as well. I think that's beautiful. There are some things that have stayed constant and other things that have been more fluid throughout it. I love that your Libra rising comes through in everything you do. Um, And also, I love that you mentioned doing oracle cards. I feel like people often dunk on oracle cards that they're like, they're frivolous or like, oh. I don't know, is somehow seen as yeah. like not as rigorous as tarot, but I, yeah. I have my favorite Oracle deck within arm's reach right now. Yeah. And I, I use Oracle cards all the time. I think they're it's amazing good. for like, it's a, it can feel less deterministic than a tarot reading. Yeah. Because Absolutely. even though tarot is neutral, we are all human beings. And if I see an mm-hmm. image, me personally, who studied esotericism, if I see the tower, I kind of freak. Yeah, um, I <laughs> So if I'm going through something really difficult, oftentimes an oracle card is the way to go. So that's a cool thing to I share. Totally feel that. And I feel like, too, that um, obviously there's a lot of different like iterations of the tarot, but with oracle cards, it really, like, I feel like the artist that makes it, like their vision can really shine. Um, Mm -hmm. Like the tarot decks that I've been using have been just so inspiring and yeah, a little bit more open-ended than the tarot. Um, And it's, it's been really fun. I know I always think of you when I use my Oracle cards because I know you're also an Oracle card stan. I love it. I have so many decks. It's kind of a problem. (laughs) I I gave away some when I moved, but I have a whole drawer in my kitchen um, so that my husband can get to them too. It's just like all decks all the time. (laughs) Oh my God. An Oracle deck in the, an Oracle deck. uh, What's it? Oh my God. What did he just say? What word did he just say? A drawer in my kitchen. My brain today. Uh, Oracle deck drawer in the kitchen so you can share it with your husband. That is truly couple goals, just saying. We try. We definitely try. (laughs) Honestly, full disclosure, y'all, we're recording this pretty late at night, later than I normally would. And so we're probably (laughs) both like, well, it's earlier where you are in LA, but it's nine o'clock here. And like, I'm on my last brain cell, but I would give up literally anything for Gabriella. So I'm like, you know what? This is going to be fun. We're going to do it. I love you so much, my favorite. Thank you. 
Same. I would give yes. a lot. I would give my liver to bad astrologers and Amelia, just saying. So. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> uh, but hopefully you would never have to do that. And obviously same. Yes. Yeah, so on the topic of magical practices, did you have a journaling practice before you wrote Embody Your Magic? And oh, if so, so what was that like? Yes, I have. I have had a I've been journaling on and off since I was like in first or second grade, but journaling is one part of my daily practice. And it is like probably like if I'm, you know, like I'm not traveling right now, but like when I was traveling or, you know, when life stuff comes up, that's something that I'll occasionally skip over. Or like if I'm out of space in my journals and waiting for my journals to come in the mail, because I have a very like mm. specific kind of journal I use. But like 97% of the time, journaling is part of my morning practice. And mainly what it is, is I will write down the day. I will write down what the sun and the moon are in. If I'm doing a devotional practice, like for a specific amount of time, I will write down what day of that I'm on. And then I will write about the day before and reflect. And then I will write about the day that I have or what I'm excited about, what I'm nervous about. Um, and then I will set an intention. So I always write that down. Like my intention today is blah, blah, blah. Um, and I will, if sometimes if I have like a specific question around this intention, um, I will ask that to my tarot cards and will write that down. But sometimes it's just like, you know, what does goddess need me to know? To, what does goddess need me to know today? What energy can I work with today? Whatever it is, I'll also write down that question. And then I'll pull tarot cards. I pull tarot, two tarot cards from the Slutist Tarot, which is I've been using almost every I've been using every day since for almost two years. And then I'll pull another card from the Thoth Tarot, which you gave me, which is just makes me love it even <gasps> more. So I'll write down um, those tarot cards. I, I'll write down the astrological correspondences for them, and then. I'll journal about what I think they mean for me and like how I'm relating to them and how I'm working to them that with them that day. Um, and then, yeah, I'll just, you know, I always write like affirmations and gratitude IRL. Cause like, that's the things that I do. Like I just speak out loud my affirmations in the mirror, but I don't know for myself for some reason, like I like to write that down and then I'll always write, you know, and so it is, or so might it be, but it's pretty, my journaling practice, like I'll, I'll, I have separate grimoires for like, you know, my magical practice for spells and rituals or tarot spreads. But like that daily journal is really just to do some like mind maintenance because, you know, I'm hella air sign. And if I don't get that shit out, if I don't get what's bothering me out, it will just stew around in my head. And I can't afford rent for that. She can't afford it. So I just, you know, evict her for my mind. Oh my gosh, I am screaming inside right now. The, I have never heard anybody use the phrase mind maintenance, but that is either, such a genius term. Is. That is what journaling is. Yeah, oh, it wow. really is. And it I really love how is specific like, it is. Like, uh, Yeah, I feel like something I really have realized, um, which, you know, it's one of those things that I feel like I always knew, but only recently, both through, you know, like, having readings with you and learning more about my birth chart is that like, I think because I'm so Aquarius, which is the water bearer, the container for the water, like I really need a lot of structure to be able to just 
flow the way that I need to flow. So like my morning practice is super regimented in the way that like I have like five or six things that I do every single day. But because I have that structure, it really allows me to just like enjoy that space and not worry about like, like I just know that I'm getting what I need. And yeah, like I definitely have to work on being flexible and being um, able to adapt and like not feel guilty if I, you know, might not do something the same way, but definitely having that kind of structure really just helps me stick to stick to it, stick to my guns. And you are so fixed that I feel like if anybody can do it, it's you. Yeah, I was thinking about this and the way that our our natal charts show up and the ways that we choose to engage with spirituality and the ways we choose to Mm -hmm. give those things um, physical form. So, Mm. but besides your Aquarius container nature, are there any Mm -hmm. other parts of your natal chart that you feel like really, really show up? in the way that you do your spiritual practices or or even that you strive to channel through you in that? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever quite thought about it like that. I mean, I definitely feel like because I have a lot of Scorpio too, and that's very fixed, it's like, I have this kind of like, I need to have things be very intense for me to enjoy them. Um, mm. But I, I think maybe like the Saturn and Pisces Mercury moment where it's like, like having a structure for my spiritual practice allows me to like share that more easily. Maybe um, as far, at least as far as like the journaling goes and creating those containers. Cause like, yeah, I know that's, that's a place when I've talked to you about, cause I, I know it's something that's like, I, I don't quite understand it totally, but I definitely feel like, uh, you know, Pisces being very magical and psychic and all of that and like having Saturn there, it's like to access that aspect of myself, I need to do it in a way that is going to support that. And I mean, I think that even works with the Aquarius because I always kind of think of Aquarius as like the container for Pisces or the fish. Oh, I love that. Oh, it's like the fishbowl. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's perfect. Yes, oh <laughs> so cute. Wow, Aquarius is the fishbowl is the pull quote for this podcast. <laughs> we we have it. We don't need to go any further. No, that is beautiful. And I think I think in your work that Saturn Mercury, which I think we talked about last time too, like it's just so prominent. It's so there. And the fact that it has mm. asteroid Hecate right on top of it, it's just like you are a witch. And like as much as oh. you seek to provide that container for yourself through things especially like this journal you provide that container for other people Mm. like in some ways even more so than with inner witch and bewitching the elements it's like it is the book itself is a container right like you're walking people step by step through the question that i get really often and i know you must get constantly which is like how do i start a spiritual practice yeah you're like i got you here you go that's what it feels like Thank you. That made me tear up. That's so sweet. That's like, honestly, like, that's it, man. I mean, you know, I, when I got approached to, for this, yeah, it was the very beginning of quarantine. And I, I like prepared myself to be quarantining throughout summer, just because like, I had a feeling that it was not going to be something that was just like a month. Um, I don't oh, think you're I so much better than me on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, 
I heard from people that it was going to be through like fall or whatever. And I was like, I'm just going to mentally prepare for it to be through summer because then I'll rather be surprised than disappointed. But I don't really think that I understood that it was actually going to still be going on right now. It's like, so having, if I feel really, really, really grateful to have able to been, to have been able to like write this book while we're going through this. Cause like, I was able to be like, what do I need? What do I feel like other people need? And I think Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, it's kind of divided in a similar way with bewitching the elements where each element is kind of representative of the different self or the different aspects of self. So earth is a physical self. Air is a mental self. um, Water is the emotional self. Fire is a spiritual self. And then spirit is the soul. Um, And being able to, you know, hopefully help people in taking care of each of these aspects during a time like this just felt really important. And it's something that I'm really, really thankful to have been able to share. And yeah, I hope it, I hope it helps people. I love that idea of it being a container because that's definitely what it feels like for me as well. I think it absolutely is. Is it meant to be experienced like alongside a bewitching the elements or it's just kind of like you can pick it up Whenever oh, you yeah. like, independently. Yes, yes. It's like a standalone. Okay. That's guide. what I thought. Um, but it can be used in conjunction with each of my other books, but you don't need the other books to work with it. Amazing. That's yeah. perfect. Um, I was also thinking about your incredible ritual guides, um, which you've been doing for over a year now. You made it a whole It'll year cycle. Two years right? in Capricorn season. Oh, my God. This is I just an, and also how many days in a row have you meditated now? Let me look. Um, I'm, I will, it'll be two years on November 5th, but today wow. is day 683. Wow. I remember when you hit six, six, six <laughs> days of meditation, I was yeah. like, wow, she's going to transcend to some new plane <laughs> of existence. I don't know <laughs> don't what so happens. I, I still feel like I suck at meditation. Like, that's just the thing. It's like, it's still so hard for me to be, or not hard for me. I'm sorry. I don't want to affirm this thing. I am still learning to be present with my mind and not like, like to just keep that attention. So it's one of those things mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm still learning. I'm still figuring it out. And for me, what's more important is not that like I punish myself for doing it wrong, but that I show up every day and just do the best that I can. I feel like people so need to hear that from you too, because you have written so much and you have uh, such a depth of knowledge. Like I've learned so much working magic with you this year. Um, Mm -hmm. But I feel like sometimes and not purposefully, but I just think I've been thinking about it with the astrology community on Twitter and then with Instagram as well. It's like, you only see a fraction. Mm -hmm. You only see what people show you or you only see the parts that like people want to share. But like, even those of us like Gabby or myself or whoever else, like this is hard for us. It's not like easy to just sit and be with your mind, especially now. Like anytime that you decide to do that, I feel like you're winning. Yeah, exactly. I think that's part of it too. It's like, I mean, you know, I'm sure I could read more books on meditation and figure it out that way. But I'm like that, like that, that's for me, it's like the feminine aspect of that is showing up is the container. That's the structure. That's a masculine aspect. And then just allowing whatever needs to come through, come through. Like there are days where I'll like 
yeah, I fucking meditated in bathrooms. I meditated while like I'm hooking up with dudes, like in their fucking, you know, like in their room while they're asleep. I meditated like amazing, you know, random places that aren't very conducive. I meditated hungover and like those there are days when I'm fucking exhausted and like I'm not super, super coherent, but like I show up to it and like that's just what matters more to me is just like I'm just really competitive with myself. Like I love a personal challenge. Like I don't like being competitive with other people and I don't like being envious of other people. So I think I kind of just transmute that through like proving myself to myself and like, yeah, as long as I show up and do that one part, it's like, it's good enough. And because I think my, my practice is more than just a seated meditation, like that's only part of it. Like it's, that pressure to do it right isn't really as much there because it's not like the end all be all for me. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like when it is just that one thing, you can really get like granular about that experience and be like, well, am I doing it perfectly right according to every technique? And I'm definitely with the Venus and Virgo on the Midhaven. I am a perfectionist. But one (laughs) powerful lesson that I've had to learn both in spiritual practice and in life and in career is just that like, what's better than perfect is done, right? Like you're not going to get anywhere if you are, you want things to be so perfect that you just don't engage with it. Like being in the messy middle with your meditation practice, with whatever piece of work you're writing is so much more important because it's going to be messy and it's not going to be right the first time, you know? I'm definitely not a perfectionist by any means. Like I definitely have like a high standard for myself, but I think like I kind of have the opposite problem where I'll like rush through something that I don't want to do to be done with it. And then I'll have to like Um, I'll mess up. I was actually writing about this today. It's like I'll like rush through something, but then I'll like end up making it a longer and more difficult process because I rushed through it and messed it up. Like I'm putting on like red Fenty lipstick and like I'll be doing it in a rush because I need to leave and then I'll get it all over my face and then I'll have to like start over. You know, universe is a bitch. No, slow down. And you know, okay, I'm at your at your service, goddess. Like, fine, but yeah, I think just you know, like, it's. I think it's the same thing when people are like, oh, I want to start a ritual practice, but like, I don't know how. What do I start with? And I always say, just start with one thing, because if you hold yourself like holding yourself accountable for one thing is so much easier than like trying to do ten things and then getting overwhelmed and stopping. And I feel like that kind of same energy is true of like feeling like you have to do something perfectly, like, because you have that anxiety about doing something quote unquote wrong, you end up just not doing it. And then it's like, it's okay to not be right. Like, you're not going to be perfect. And, you know, I'm just like very chaotic. So I feel like I've embraced that aspect of myself. If I expected <laughs> things to be perfect, I would be screwed. I feel like the, there's so much beauty in that chaos, right? Like, I feel like we all have to learn to accept those beautiful, yeah. chaotic parts of ourselves because mm-hmm. we are, we are all a little bit chaotic. And that's a good thing. <laughs> I don't trust chaos. anybody who's not, right? right? I'm just like, that's just like some Stepford Wives shit I do not need in my life. Goodbye. Thank like, you, yes. Boring, cookie cutter. No. No, thank you. <laughs> um. So... I want to know, this sounds like really obvious, but I want to hear you express it. So I love the title, Embody Your Magic. What does the phrase embody your magic mean to you? Oh, I love this question. Nobody's ever asked me this. Um, To me, embodying your magic means like 
living with a sense of purpose that doesn't come from anyone else except yourself and using that and bringing that into your being in a way that illuminates the world around you. I feel like magic is, you know, being aware of the energies of, you know, the seasons and the planets and the sun and the moon and the earth. But I also think it's a way of like, I love what Amanda Yates Garcia says, or the Oracle of LA. She's great. And she says that magic is a way to like re-enchant the world and re-enchant yourself. And I love this idea of magic being a illuminating and guiding force that lives within you. And, you know, it lives in each part of us. It lives in the mental body. It lives in the physical body. It lives in our spirit and our emotions and our soul and I think to be like grounded in those different aspects of self and to like shine from that is, is embodying our magic. Cause it's going to be personal to you. If not, what's the point? Yes, 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 mm-hmm. absolutely. It has to be personal to you in order for yeah. it to make sense. Exactly. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Thank you, Thank you for I asking. Like you help me embody my magic every oh. single day. So I know this is the love fest. I, before I started the podcast, I was like, how many minutes into the podcast is it going to be before I start crying? And apparently it's 25 minutes and 52 seconds. Oh, I love so you so much. I love you. And um, that is just like such an honor. Um, wait, can I read a Like I actually, let me find this quote, but I was just Please. reading about the Braille. Um, oh my god, maybe I didn't highlight. It. I'm not gonna be able to find it, and then it's chill. But oh, it share with the me. Grail. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, wait, I oh. found it though. So it's talking about the Grail or the quest for illumination. You know, that's in um, back in the day in the Middle Ages, and it says, uh, "Wait, where is it? Oh my god, see, I lost it. Okay, uh, the Grail is won, or the Grail is attained through the act of compassion." that comes instinctively out of an individual who lives his or her own authentic life, which I think that's just it, man. Wow. That book is powerful. You, every other day, Gabby is texting me (laughs) a screenshot that's like a picture that's like just highlights, just extremely chaotic highlights. And y'all, I live, (laughs) I live for these text messages because every single one I'm always like, wow, this is incredible. Like this is, this is the magic. And this is what you've been researching for your next book, which is going to be about goddesses, which I just, I are, I always can't wait for your books, but this one specifically, this is the Gabriella Hurstic book I've been waiting my whole life for. So for the goddess book, how did that come about? Was that something that had always been an idea on your mind or did it come to you recently? What was that experience like? Thank you so much for that compliment. It did kind of cut out a little bit, but I can hear you now. But I think I heard what you said about asking how it came about. So um, I started teaching, like working with goddess classes um, and writing about it. I had a chakras. I had a column with chakras um, called the goddess column. And I mean, I've been working with goddesses as long as I've been a practicing witch. So like 13 to 14 years. And I really loved it. And like, I knew that after Bewitching the Elements, which was something that like both my publisher and I kind of like brainstormed and came up with, or like they were, you know, like, hey, we want an empowering book that's going to help people find rituals for 
caring for themselves. And then, you know, I wrote that book. Um, I knew that I wanted to write a book about goddesses, um, probably for like a couple years now, but it wasn't, I did not think it was going to be this book. Like I didn't thought, I did not think it was going to be next, but hmm. what was clear is like through the quarantine process as I started just like, I just started read, like I've, I'm always reading about goddesses, but like something shifted in my brain. I feel like I realized that I am, I was like, I realized that a big part of my, my purpose to myself is to be of service to and through the goddess of love. And I think when I had that realization, I just like, I just started reading so much more about goddesses and I knew that I wanted to pitch a couple books to my, um, to my publisher, to my editor. And I pitched this book in a fashion magic book, expecting to write the glamour magic book first. Um, but then this goddess book is the one that got accepted. And it just like, it was one of those things that like, I just felt like it needed to happen. And it was just, it, it just kind of like, it just happened. It was very effortless. And um, I have never in my like 15, 10 years, 11 years of being a writer and journalist um have never been so excited to write like anything like it is it's a different it's a different energy than my other books not that like I didn't love writing them I did but like even John of the fact that like I have researched so much more for these books just because it's like I I mean obviously witchcraft and the elements are parts of my practice that I care about deeply but like for me it's like the goddess is it like that is like the foundation mm-hmm. of my magical practice it is the foundation of my life like I remember verbalizing at the beginning of 2019 like a few days after the new year to a couple of friends that were sitting on my couch was like my purpose is to help reawaken the divine feminine and the goddess and to bring magic to people and like I really just felt I just felt it, it, it just it had to happen so I'm I'm so excited I'm like vaguely terrified um definitely like a different kind that's of that's usually interest. a good thing yeah because it's something I care about so fucking deeply I'm like oh, I'm gonna start crying mm-hmm. I feel very 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 grateful like so utterly grateful to be able to write this book and it feels really special to be pledged to goddess in this way for like the next two years because I turned it in in May and then it won't be published till the following spring so it's like she's my dom. I mean, I'm fucking collar to her until, you know, until this comes out. And then after that too. So I'm really, really excited. That's so exciting. And I absolutely cannot wait for it. It's going to be incredible. I think goddess is such an important part. I remember when the sort of, I hate to just reduce it to witchcraft trend, because for me, understanding what witchcraft was and the power that it has was such a important Mm -hmm. personal turning point and I know it was for so many people but there was Mm -hmm. a a cultural moment a moment that we got to like experience and like write out together which was so powerful Um, and I feel like the goddess kind of got erased out of that a little bit it was more a focus on the inherent well witchcraft is inherently beautiful right and it was it was focused on that but the underlying principle of the goddess, which I feel like is what witchcraft has to offer that has been hidden, right? Mm-hmm. Or just not talked about is so important. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so happy that you are 
that, that that's your next project and that we all get to benefit from it. Thank you. It, feel, yeah, it feels really special. I really feel like, I think that some people kind of have this idea that like, you know, like matriarchal societies or matrilineal societies are like suppressing men. And it's like this weird inverted hierarchy when it's like really like every single monotheistic religion is a god. But then any goddess religion, there's always uh, another, there's, if there's a polytheistic or pagan, you know, uh, cosmology or whatever it is, like pantheon, if there's goddesses, there are also gods. It's like, you know, I, I really think that because this, because we have swung so far into the land of like patriarchy and male gods that like, Ultimately, we want balance between feminine and masculine, you know, because those binaries aren't, they're different aspects of the same, of the same, the same energy. Um, but I think if we want to find balance between these, we, we need the goddess, like we need to bring her back and bring her back hard. So then we can fall into this kind of state where both goddess and God can be revered, where we can honor both of these energies. But like, until we give the goddess her due diligence of being recognized as a force within everybody that is not determined by your fucking vulva or uterus or whatever quote unquote biological things make somebody a woman because that's just you know that's not it like the goddess is in everyone and everything because that is a creative energy of the universe and that's something that we are all a part of and we are all able to connect to and yeah i think it's time and i think it's time to separate the goddess from like this rigid idea of gender as well. 100%. You said that so beautifully. Like, I will, I'm going to go back and listen to it several times. <laughs> um, you and I have been reading a book together that I think has done such a beautiful job of talking about goddess and femininity and gender in a way that is just so far beyond anything else that I frankly have ever read, which mm -hmm. is Manon Hedenberg White's. Um, the book about Babylon, the eloquent yeah, blood. There it is. It's just amazing. And so I feel like this is, this is the work, right? As we bring mm -hmm. goddess back, we have to talk about how she is present in everybody and everything. It isn't exactly. just relegated to biology. Exactly. And I think removing it from that really allows us to create and like define what this energy means to us and mm -hmm. i i'm gonna be honest i have not started manon's book yet because i'm getting through i'm rereading the red goddess by scarlet imprint and then i'm gonna start that so good um, i'm so i'm i'm really really excited and i just i really admire her work and yeah like the history of gods and goddesses are queer and you know there were castrated priests and like there were plenty of gods and goddesses who were trans and like to think that the the something as big and as expansive as goddess or God or the divine or source like follows this really rudimentary uh, binary that we've created. It's just dumb. I mean, like I get that, you know, like I've read the Kabbalion. I know that there's a, like a gender in the universe as far as like a, a balance of polarity and opposition. But, like when people take that too literally, it's just like, I don't know. I don't have time for turfs. So I just like ignore that. I'm like, I, there's no space for you here. Goodbye. Yeah, I completely and absolutely agree. I think about this all the time with like when I read some of the older astrology books that are like 
Well, Venus is what a man is looking at, the woman that a man is looking for in his chart. Oh. And Mars is the man that a woman is looking for. And I'm just like, no, we, I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I feel like if we are not querying astrology and our spiritual practices in 2020, we are not doing enough. That is just, it's just not good Absolutely. enough. It's like what Dion Fortune says of like a, a faith that does not evolve is a dead religion or a religion that does not evolve is a dead faith. Whatever it is, it's so true. It's like, I think it's, I think even that's like so true for goddesses as well, where like this is, there's this idea that like, the goddesses are static that they're not dynamic and that like they're not evolving and it's like these are living egregores like they're beings that people have been interacting with for thousands of years to think that they're not going to evolve or change or adapt is just like fucking bullshit and, like yeah i think some of the dark goddesses are kinky as fuck even though kink in like their language probably wasn't the same thing like i definitely think that they blend the you know like the idea of pain and pain and pleasure and like I do think that I can summon some goddesses through like emojis and shit. Like, you know, I mean, obviously there's more to it than that, but I'm just not interested in people who aren't willing to evolve and change. Like it's an age of Aquarius. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that people, people become so rigid in their ways of yeah. thinking about these things that yeah. I think that evolution feels threatening um, because yeah. then they don't have the monopoly on, I know the right way. And so yeah. that rightness isn't there to comfort. But or the good thing about, oh, oh, go ahead. I think also it's just because like when you take away what somebody else has told you about something, then it's like what you say, it's this like element of personal gnosis, like this element of inner illumination that you have to find for yourself and like, it's much easier to fucking read a book and think that's what a thing is than it is to like read a book, think about it, and then like come to your own conclusions through firsthand work. And it's like, I don't know. I just, it's, I don't, I'm not interested in being bored ever. So like I'm here for the work personally. The great work. Yes, even. Yes. Yeah. It's called the great work for a reason. Like it's not the great rest. Like, come on. It's true. It has been the absolute pleasure of my life this summer and even now to get to do the great work with you since the last time we talked on this podcast, we've struck up something of a magical partnership doing workings together and it's been great. It's been amazing. I'm like literally grinning like a little girl right now. Just like, oh my God, I feel like I have like butterflies in my stomach. It's like literally the most special thing to me, like possibly ever to be able to get to be magical partners with you. It means, oh, oh, I don't have enough words. Oh my gosh. It's so true. Same here. So this all came about. So Gabriella and I, we knew each other um, because she lived here in South Carolina and we had a group of friends that we refer to as our bi-coastal coven. It's a Gaia coven because the first letters of all of our names spell Gaia, which is magical as fuck. Mm -hmm. um, but it was more something that was just based around our, our friendship and our mm -hmm. sisterhood. But as far as working magic, that was totally new territory for us, right? Yes, um, absolutely. And my magical practice was definitely in a pretty stagnant place. I had gotten to a point where I felt like I wanted to learn more, but I didn't know where to get it. And so I made this vow to myself that I, I wanted to learn more, but I didn't like, I didn't know where to get it. So just, I knew that when it was the right time, the right teacher would show up 
and it wouldn't cost me any money. That was a part of it, or at least at the beginning. Like, no, that was that was the piece. And then I was talking to you, and you were telling me about. Um, we were talking about tarot and astrology correspondences, and you were like, I've been taking classes at this place called 22 Teachings, and they have the Arboretum Lodge. You should come. They're doing it via Zoom. Um, and so I did. And having that ritual space to learn and just, it's hard to even describe the way that it has absolutely broken my practice wide open. And what I mean by that is, so it's very much ceremonial magic, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that if you had told Amelia in 2019, I would be doing ceremonial magic through a Zoom screen, I would have been like, fuck you, that sounds ridiculous. I would never. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the universe doesn't uh, really care about what you think or your plans. And it's been yeah, I, I did not understand the way that learning that symbolic language of Hermetic Kabbalah and the tarot tableau mm -hmm. and the astrological correspondences and even learning a little bit of the Hebrew letters, which mm -hmm. I'm getting better at, and things like the LBRP would fundamentally change the work that I do. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for it. So oh. thank you for that. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't i'm like anybody who will listen i like scream to them about 22 teachings because naha armadi who founded it is one of the most incredible cultists occultists occultists um i i even know of like much less like she's just truly her wisdom and her just sense of service is mind-blowing like i i totally feel the same if you had told me that i would be doing ceremonial magic that i would be fucking practicing any kind of kabbalah that i would be using my however many <laughs> years of hebrew school to like be doing these things i would have laughed in your face and yet it is truly like life-changing and um i feel the same way like i i have been i have, i've been um it'll be like two years since i started studying uh hermetic kabbalah in november like around the same time i started meditating but because Aww. of the lodge of them offering everything through Zoom and just because it's in LA, like, you know, it's like you have to leave an hour before to find parking and then you have to find parking and there's always traffic. Like it just, it was never as easy as just like turning on a computer and going to a class. And one of the ways that I think my magical practice has shifted during quarantine is that like, I wasn't, I'm totally in the same place as you where I was like, I need to learn. I need to expand. Like I feel stagnant and, I just like when I've just been taking so many classes with them and doing so many, you know, going to AM Lodge every week. And it, I really, I feel like I had, it was like a moment where things clicked. Like I've been studying this and yeah. the tree of life, but like it wasn't until quarantine that like I understood it and I started to get like the correspondences and what the tree of life meant. And like, it has just been, it's mind blowing. It really is just like a filing system for like every other fucking occult practice there is out there and having space and community to do magical work with is like, we've talked about it. It is something that I don't think I've ever had this way in a past life. And if I did, it was definitely a long time ago because the amount of just like every single time you do the Amlodge, I just start crying. I just have this deep, acknowledgement of like how fucking special it is to have found 
such an incredible school. And I think that one of the reasons I was kind of turned off from ceremonial magic was because I feel like all the authors and all the cultists I knew who taught it or who were, you know, like famous or whatever, were all men. And having mm -hmm. not racist feminine wisdom, like so rooted in, in, in like under, like so rooted in knowledge, but has this, like, it's, it's not Naha's way or the highway. It's just like she's presenting you with this delicious or this beautiful shawless of wisdom that you can take and see things in your own way. And like, it just, I feel so grateful. And then to be able to do this work with you, like, I honestly, like one of my, the best things to come out of quarantine for me is that like, we've been able to talk like every day and having just that connection has improved my life. And then doing this work with you is just like, it feels more special than I have words for, and I will never stop telling you how grateful I am for it. Um, but it truly is just like better than I could have ever imagined. Honestly, when I think about it, it kind of feels like a pinch me thing. Like it doesn't make any sense, you know, like no. to feel closer to someone and when you're actually far apart, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I guess that's alchemy, if anything, yeah. right? But it's, yeah. it's been amazing. And I, I highly recommend if you have mm -hmm. somebody who you think you might be a good fit with, maybe try doing magic with a partner. Yeah. I'm curious for you, Gabby, how is doing magic in a partnership situation been different than doing it on your own? Ooh. Um, I feel like my rituals that I do alone are al not necessarily like less planned out because like I do, you know, like I have a structure that I use. I'll always start with LBRP and then, you know, like I'll figure out what I'm doing, but they're definitely like a lot more kinky and weird, like a lot more blood magic, a lot more sex magic, <laughs> just like, um, they're not, it's like the way that we structure ours where we use the tarot keys and then make, you know, like a magical formula. Like that's something that I've started to use on my own. But I think the main thing for me is that like, it's because first off, like we're so attuned and we're so like close. And like, again, like, I don't think there's anything in my life. Like I wouldn't share with you. Like, I think because of that, yeah. like this beautiful, like, like we're either like both crystals or mirrors that are like reflecting this energy off of each other and like intensifying it. So I think it just like helps me access more, more beautiful, more magical energy. It just, it's just so special. Like it's, I love my own magical practice and I, you know, there's parts of that that I don't think a lot of other people would uh, quite understand or quite get, but like, uh, just being able to do these workings with you, it just feels, it makes it feel more important in a way, like, because we have to mm, plan it, yeah. aside the time, and, like, just because, like, I admire you and love you so much as a human, and a magician, and a cultist, and an astrologer, it just, like, um, it feels like a bigger offering, I guess. Yeah, that is such a perfect way to put that, and I feel absolutely the same, like, for me, it's a sense of, accountability yeah. and it's also such an amazing opportunity to learn right yeah. because i feel like we each bring different skills to the ritual work yeah. right so i'll be like well the virgo new moon is going to be trying all of these outer planets and so 
that's a really nice thing. We might want to incorporate this tarot key. I'm going to be like, well, that tarot key actually is associated with this Hebrew letter, which means this. It's like we reinforce, reinforce each other knowledge-wise, but also like emotionally and spiritually yeah. too. Yeah. Oh my God. I totally feel that. I, yeah. I, I love it so much. It means so much to me to do this work with you. Same. I'm excited for our working tonight. It's going to be great. Yay! I don't need to. That, spoilers. Uh, yeah, I guess I will post later on how the working goes. I won't tell you what it's Yay! about. It's still a secret. But yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to be great. I'm so excited. Um, I am already so impressed with everything that I've learned from you, but I, I cannot oh. wait. I've been yelling at you about this for, I don't know, like the last six months that you are the ultra Aquarius and yes. you're about to have the great conjunction just like right yeah. up on your Aquarius stellium. So she has a sun, Venus and Mars all in Aquarius. Um, so my first question about that is how did you feel when Saturn moved into Aquarius back in March through July? Like, did you feel any shifts like within yourself, within your life? Did you get a little preview of what it might be like? I definitely feel like what I felt was like, um, I feel like maybe, I don't know if this is the right word, but like a more critical look at how we're acting as a collective to like each other. Like, mm, what, yeah. I mean, March was just like a fucking clusterfuck of shit. Like, excuse my language, but like, that was the <laughs> longest month ever. But like, what I really think about is like the the um black lives matter movement kind of picking up steam in like june and mm -hmm. that happening and us just like not taking any more bullshit from like the big man in charge you know what i mean like i really feel like we were more critically thinking about the ways that we can help one another and it really what during all that what really inspired me was seeing mutual aid and seeing communities come together and like seeing the ways in which we are supporting one another so I think that that was like really what I noticed, what there was a sense of like the men in charge who are supposed to be taking care of us, the government, which is supposed to be helping us, like isn't, but we can help one another because like we, that's what we do. We take care of one another. And that was really, really inspiring for me. Yes. I think that is so true, especially looking back at June and July. And I love that your Aquarius nature always looks to the collective and to the community mm. and I found that to be so inspiring too. the ways that, you know, I, the, uh, the word critical is so important because I think in this world where the rules are so rigid, like people see critique as a bad thing or like somehow yeah. we're trying to tear down every single structure. Um, but I think to critique is to, in some ways, not uphold structures that have hurt other people, but like we have to critique it. We have to look at the ways mm -hmm. that the structures have failed. Right. Yeah, exactly. um, and the ways that we can build new structures to support each other, just like you were talking yeah. about with mutual aid. Exactly. It was incredible. Even in South Carolina, yeah. seeing seeing protests happen and then talking to people being like, how can we get like how can we get water bottles to people? How can we get yeah. food to people and masks to people? Like, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I've never seen anything like it. It was amazing. Same. It was like horrible and very inspiring at the same time. Yeah, it was tough. Mm -hmm. Um, on an individual level, like what would you say your biggest wishes for the upcoming great conjunction? Ooh, um, that's such a good question. I feel like 
I just want to continue like living in alignment. I just want to continue alignment with like my will, with the universe, with goddess. I mean, like, I would love some money and some love, but like, more so, <laughs> like, I don't know, things have been fine for me, you know, like, I have, I just, I just want safety and security and to be able to, to share my heart and my art and my words in, in new ways. That'd be really fun, honestly. So I don't really know. I haven't really thought about that. Let me get back to you on exactly what my intention or what my hope is for that. I just, I just, I just want to, you know, continue to be of service to goddess, really. So whatever that looks like. Of course you do. That's so (laughs) perfect. I have, I don't think I have anything that can improve on that. You you are always of service and you are always an incredible friend and of service in that way. And I'm sure you're going to be of service to so many people through this new journal, which I can't wait to hold in my hands. So thank you so much for joining me as always. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I love you. I love you.